Good morning. Good morning. Oh, can we just give thanks for baby sounds? Amen. Right? Praise the Lord. That's fantastic. I just, I love that. Kid behind me stole my keys. I'm sitting down there and pulling the keys right through the seat. I'm just like, I love this church so much. I love you guys. Yeah. Um, I believe the Lord is pleased with all our noises. And I don't think they're much more intelligent than an infant's very often. Uh, please turn in your Bibles to Psalm 23. I want to remind you while you turn there also that... Um, this may be Glenn York's last week where he'll be receiving visitors. Um, after that, you'll have to travel a lot further and stay a lot longer. Uh, he's probably in his last uh, last few days. He's not eating anymore. Um, and he's on, on oxygen, which is exactly the way he wants it. Um, um, but his contact information is out there on the, in the foyer on that. So just, just keep him in, in your prayers as well as he's... Uh, getting ready to rejoice like he hasn't ever before. Um, Psalm 23. I'm not there yet. I gotta. I gotta find it. I think I know where it's at. They're numbered, so I can find them. Um, this is one you know, and this psalm loses nothing by being familiar. The more you know it, the better it gets. And I was kind of surprised uh, that the only t I realized that the only time I've preached this psalm has been at funerals, and we're going to fix that today. Um, also, I'm, I'm going to read this one in the Old King James, so I hope you'll excuse the leadeths and the makeths, but there are some passages that just improve with a bit of formality, and I, I think this is one of them. Uh, so let's read it, and then we'll pray, and we'll get into a study of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Jesus, our good shepherd, we come to you. Um, we come to you for your leadership, for your comfort, for your protection, uh, for your goodness towards us. We pray that, that we would be sheep that know the voice of the shepherd and stay close to him. We pray that you would, uh, through the teaching of your word today, let us drink deeply from these still waters. Let us feast on at this green pasture. You've prepared something for us, and we want to receive all that you have for us. Bless your church this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. This might be the most famous lines written by the most famous shepherd in history. If you think about it, I'm willing to be corrected on that. But as far as I can think, I think these are probably, I think King David's probably the, the most well-known shepherd on the planet. Um, and this is his greatest hit, number one right here. Uh, but the idea of the Lord being our shepherd, that's not something David invented. That's not his idea. God is described as Israel's shepherd all the way back in Genesis 49. 
And, and David plays on this theme of God being a shepherd in many of the Psalms. The prophets also, Isaiah, Micah, Zechariah, they all mention uh, God as being the shepherd of Israel. Um, but we know that David was able to write this beautiful poem with maybe a, a, a special perspective. Because um, he, he would be able to say the Lord is his shepherd, not just because he read the verse in Genesis, but because David had been a shepherd and he saw the similarities. His personal experience taught him something about God. He, he wasn't inventing a God from his personal experiences, but he saw in his day-to-day -day the way God shows up and the way God cares and the way God uh, communicates himself through maybe a, a, the menial task of, of shepherding. To say this another way, David the shepherd was created after God's image, not the other way around. The way God reveals himself to us sometimes through our day-to-day -day work is really outstanding sometimes. And David was, was a shepherd, and in watching the care that the sheep need, David not only says, God is my shepherd, but he's confessing, I am so much like a sheep. And you see those kinds of similarities between God and his people in a variety of places throughout your life. As a parent, you learn about God as a father, yes, but what's more is you realize I am still a baby most of the time and I need everything spoon-fed. I, I need to be provided for by a loving parent. And God is described throughout scripture as a teacher and a builder and a warrior and a gardener. As, and, and as you do those things and others, you see the way God is active and involved in building and raising and tending and nurturing his people, his church. He can reveal things about himself to us as we simply do our work. And I believe something similar happened to David, the shepherd. Now, like I said, David would not be the last to describe God as a shepherd, just like he wasn't the first. It's a theme that would show up in the prophets and throughout Israel's history and then picked up most notably, perhaps, and most completely by Jesus himself when he says in John 10, I am the good shepherd. Looking at this psalm from the new covenant perspective, it's impossible not to see that the Lord who is David's shepherd is none other than Jesus Christ who died for our sins. The Lord is my shepherd. His name is Jesus. One of the very earliest examples of Christian art is a painting uh, in the catacombs in Rome of Jesus as the good shepherd with a goat on his shoulders. The church picked up this idea that David laid down so poetically and carried it, or rather how, that we've been carried by it through the centuries. Jesus is our good shepherd. We shall not want now, to say I shall not want means I lack nothing. I am content. As the hymn says, as we sing, all I have need of thy hand hath provided. And the rest of the psalm really goes on to tell you in, in beautiful detail how contented the sheep of this pasture are who are in the care of such a good shepherd. This psalm has been called a testament to divine diligence. And I like that. Divine diligence. That is, we're seeing the intentional care that God takes for his flock. He is not distant. He is near. He is active. Last week, we shared testimonies of God's goodness. And I guess I'd just like to continue in that vein for a minute. God has cared for this flock. We shall not want. He is caring for this flock. He has made it evident that he is the shepherd of our little flock here. And I'm glad to be uh, a shepherd with him, an under-shepherd. Pastor just means shepherd, but he is the chief shepherd. That's what Peter calls him in 1 Peter 5. 
And again, it has become evident for any who would see it that he is the chief shepherd of this flock. I spoke with someone after service last week who had at other churches gone through two sabbaticals of two different pastors. This was his third. This person had seen how when the pastor leaves, there are certain uh, weaknesses maybe in the church that show up and plenty of people that don't show up. And our church grew when I was gone. Right? The church, I love that. The church served as I was gone. The word was preached. The sick were visited. Needs were taken care of. And new people started coming to our little flock. And I rejoice in knowing that this is because your shepherd is Jesus. The Lord is our shepherd. He's the pastor we shall not want. And as Psalm 95 says, we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. He has his hand on us. And we sheep can testify of the divine diligence of our shepherd and his willingness and his ability to care for his flock. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Let's look at why the sheep is not wanting. Uh, and as we do, allow your heart to grow in the knowledge of God's care for you. Become delighted in how contented we ought to be as sheep of such a good, good shepherd. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. It is the Lord who sustains us. He provides for us. He gives us this day our daily bread. He provides manna in the wilderness on a day-to-day -day basis. Our good shepherd feeds us. But there's more to it than that. He makes me lie down. Sheep, in addition to being stupid and weird, uh, are also nervous and jumpy. Uh, for a sheep to want to lie down and be okay just lying down, uh, there's a number of things that have to be taken care of. The sheep has to be completely confident that it is safe, that there's no predators around, that there's no other grumpy sheep that are going to come over and pick a fight, and that there's plenty of food. That's what it takes for a sheep to lie down. And the shepherd is in charge of providing this environment. It's the shepherd's job to secure the area for the sheep, both from predators outside and from problematic sheep from within the fold. And of course, the shepherd needs to take care, take the sheep to where the green pastures are. Otherwise, there's nothing to eat. He leadeth me beside the still waters. The Hebrew just means restful waters. Having a sheep take a drink at a waterfall or next to whitewater rapids is an accident waiting to happen, don't you think? Like, what do you think when all that wool gets wet and there's a current? <laughs> Uh, the, the shepherd needs to find a place for his sheep to drink where it's peaceful, where it's restful, where it's safe. And where is the well that we drink from? Sunday school answers only, please. So, uh, John 7, 37, it says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. That's Jesus speaking. If anyone's thirsty, come to me. What about John chapter 6, after Jesus literally makes 5,000 people sit down in green pastures? He makes them sit down in green pastures. Mark 6, 39 specifies that they're green. The grass was green. And you're like, I know grass was green. It's like, no, get it? Get it? Green pastures makes you sit down. Get it? Okay, Mark. And, and after he does it with 5,000 people and feeds them, they follow him around looking for more free handouts, right? And so in John 6, he says, no, I am the bread of life. And then to make it perfectly clear, he says, most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. It's me that you want. You're after me. You think you want this other thing. You think you want these still waters or those green pastures. I am what you want to eat. Not only is Jesus the Lord who is our good shepherd, it is also Jesus who is our green pastures. It is Jesus who is the well that is 
from which our still waters flow. Sheep need peace to lie down. They need peaceful waters to drink from. Ephesians 2.14 says, He himself is our peace. How well you are cared for if you are cared for by this good shepherd. How well you are provided for if Christ has been provided for you. He restores my soul. David talks about his soul in other psalms. and In fact, sometimes he talks directly to his soul, which makes you wonder about David sometimes. But he says in Psalm 42, verse 11, and then he thought it was such a zinger, he wrote it again in Psalm 43, verse 5, word for word. He says, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. A little side note here. I like how David knows that the God who helps his soul also helps his face. God is the help of my countenance. Uh, I think that's interesting. Another sermon, maybe. Another time. Um, now, he says, why are you cast down, O my soul? He's talking to himself in the mirror and saying, why are you cast down? This idea of being cast down, you know, it's, it's a, kind of a picture of being thrown to the floor, just generally means to be depressed and defeated. But cast is actually a term used by shepherds in a slightly different way. Now, there's a lot to be embarrassed by if you're a sheep, and this is something you can add to that list. Sometimes, especially before shearing, when there's a lot of wool or when a ewe is about to lamb, either way, when a sheep is at its heaviest and most cumbersome, it will sometimes lie down and a little dip in the, in the lawn there. And if the hill is even slightly uneven or sloped, it is very likely that the sheep will roll over on its back like a turtle and not be able to get up again. This is called casting. That is a cast sheep. Why are you cast down on my soul, you dumb sheep? It sounds hilarious. I mean, but if the sheep doesn't get help, it'll die. The, the sheep that has become immobilized needs a good shepherd to come and help it back to its feet. And if it's been in this uncomfortable and embarrassing position for a while, then its legs will have fallen asleep. That sheep won't even be able to stand up once it's righted, it'll need the, the shepherd to hold the sheep up and rub its legs to get that blood flowing again. And I don't think it would be too difficult for you to recall a time in your life when you might speak to your soul like this, when your shepherd found you in a place like this, unable even to stand, but he is the one who restores your soul that has been cast down. He will, like Psalm 51 says, restore you to the joy of your salvation now, once a sheep in this condition is on its feet, it's probably not too long before that sheep either gives birth or gives a lot of wool. And I can't imagine it being coincidental that a sheep is at its most vulnerable moment before it is to be the most productive. The shepherd knows this too. And the shepherd knows that he is most glorified when the sheep is best cared for. Cared for. So he leads them in the right paths, puts them back up on their feet again, gets them going in the direction they need to go. And he leads us in paths of righteousness or justice for his name's sake. In Ephesians 2 verse 10, it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. There's righteousness, paths of righteousness that we would walk in, paths of good works that we were prepared beforehand. The shepherd went ahead and knew where he was going to take the sheep this day. And he knew what there was going to be to eat, and he knew the risks, and he knew the, the places they needed extra care. He knew where they needed to go. Doesn't that sound just like our shepherd? He leads us on paths of righteousness. He has prepared these paths beforehand that we should walk in them. When you have been cast down, when your soul has been in the place where you resemble a helpless upside-down sheep, 
the shepherd lifts you up and heals you. Maybe he shears you, getting all that weight off, making a sweater for someone else in the process. Maybe he gives you a family and then sets you on a path that he prepared beforehand that will lead you in good works that will exalt his name. What a good, good shepherd. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Now, what would a sheep be doing there? There's a, a few different reasons. Of course, this verse um, has comforted many when they're in the valley of the shadow of death, when they're either expecting death or suffering from the loss of someone else. And these, these passages have brought comfort since they've been written to people that know all too well the sorrow and the sting of death. But what's a sheep doing in the valley of the shadow of death? I would say there's a couple different reasons. The story of the lost sheep is pretty well known, right? Sheep run off, sheep get lost. They're kind of famous for that. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. Isaiah 53, verse 6. So why is the sheep in the valley of the shadow of death? Well, one possible reason that I don't want to ignore is that the sheep got on the other side of that on, on its own. It left the fold. It left the green pastures and the care of the shepherd. And it's being brought back by the shepherd, back to the home range. Why is it now not afraid? Because the shepherd who leaves the 99 to seek out the one has rescued the sheep and led it back to where it needs to be. The, this sheep fears nothing because it knows that repentance is complete and the Lord has mercy on those who err. Now, of course, there's another way to read this verse that, that may fit better, fit the course of the psalm a little better. There may not, this may not be written from the perspective of a rebellious sheep at all. You see, it is, it's customary for a shepherd to have the sheep um, home, home on the range for the winter, okay, near, near, nearby, near the house, in the fence. Uh, but when the snows on the mountains melt, where do you take the sheep? Well, the shepherds will lead them up into the mountain pastures, to lead the sheep to the green pastures, you got to get them out of the San Joaquin Valley or the valleys of Israel, as the case may be. The journey from the big flat valley that's drying up in the summer up to the mountains where things are still green, that's not a smooth, easy path. The valleys that the shepherd leads the sheep in are the valleys leading up towards the mountain pastures. Think of trails leading between steep mountains and in the V cut up where there's green grass, by the way. David calls them valleys of death. They're steep, dark, treacherous, and there's plenty more predators here than at the home ranch, which is all fenced in, or at least there's a different kind. But as a shepherd, he knows that this is the course, the route through the valley that leads them to the prepared table of verse 5. A few things to point out. It never says the shepherd leads the sheep to the valley of death. It says he leads them through the valley of death. No matter the reason, no matter what caused you to come into that valley under that shadow, as long as you can say the shepherd to the shepherd, thou art with me, you have no reason to fear. Because you know how the psalm ends. No matter how the course is now, the forever that comes at the end is spent in the house of the Lord. No matter what happens in this meantime, we know the hope that Paul gives the Thessalonians, and then we shall always be with the Lord. The Lord is the shepherd. It is he who gives us himself for his sustenance. It is he who gives our peace, and it is his presence that will keep us from all fear. 
The reason the sheep can say, I shall not want, is because the sheep can confidently say, thou art with me. Whether in green pastures or in the valley of the shadow of death, when the Lord is the shepherd, he is near. And you could certainly come away from a psalm like this with the message of, you need to stay close to the shepherd. And that would be fine. If that's the application you want to take, that's great. I'm not going to stop you. But that's not what David is really preaching, is it? He's not, he's not talking to a bunch of wayward sheep saying, you're doing it wrong. In, this, in reading this psalm, you are called to believe that wherever you are in life right now, the shepherd is with you, he's guiding you, and if you're the lost sheep, then he's pursuing you. He is the one that seeks you out. He is the one who leads you to where you need to go. We're not just told, go to the shepherd, bah. <laughs> you know, we're, we're told, brace for impact, the shepherd is coming for you. He is pursuing you. He is leading you. He leadeth me. He leadeth me. By his own hand, he leadeth me. That hymn continues. The second verse is, Sometimes mid scenes of deepest gloom, sometimes where Eden's flowers bloom, by waters calm or troubled sea, still tis God's hand that leadeth me. We are confessing a truth. We believe that he is a shepherd, that he is tending to his sheep. We are called to a faith that says, yes, Lord, I'm a sheep, but you're a shepherd, and that's good news. And since thou art with me, I'm making a choice now. I will fear no evil. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You'll often hear that these are for discipline, and certainly if a sheep is misbehaving, then it can probably expect a quick whack from the shepherd's stick. If you do a quick word search for rod in the Bible, uh, sorry about this rod, um, you'll see that most of the time it's talking about a stick used for punishment. Um, but that's not the only use of these tools. They are an extension of the shepherd's 